You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. For the rest of the month of April, this little two-week opportunity to do a mini-series, and we are going to be talking about the book of 1 Thessalonians. So um, I'm really, really excited that we're starting this series the Wednesday after Easter, because Easter Sunday is this really exciting time, right? It's like a full week of celebration, Palm Sunday. Then we reflect on what we know today as Good Friday, where Jesus paid the price by dying for our sins. And then we celebrate Easter Sunday, this giant celebration that Jesus conquered death. And Seth and I were talking about it before he led us in worship, and we were like, yeah, like Easter so hype, it's so exciting. But what's sad is sometimes just like a week later or maybe even a few days later, like today, you're kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, like that was cool. That was cool. But I'm just going to keep going, living my own life. And we keep going living unchanged, living like Jesus is still in the tomb when we know that that's not reality. And so I think for those of us who want to live differently, who don't want to just go back to the way that we were living, I think the helpful question that we all need to be asking ourselves is, Jesus is risen, so what's next? What do I do next? What, how does that truth change my life? And what I love about the book of First Thessalonians is that it helps answer that question. If you want to open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, it's kind of halfway in the New Testament. Um, And if you don't have your Bibles, I want you to start getting in the habit of bringing your Bibles every single Wednesday. And if you don't have a Bible, shout out to Pastor Eric. Good good job, Pastor Eric. Very pastoral. So good. So good. So proud. Um, If you don't have a Bible, hey, come talk to us after. We would love to get you one. So open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, and here is a little background. 1 Thessalonians is a letter written by Paul, who is, uh, uh, what is it called, responsible for writing much of the New Testament. And many believe that the letter of 1 Thessalonians is one of the first letters that Paul writes. And I believe we have a map, Asher, of, um, can you see that little arrow? That's where Paul is writing this letter to this church in Thessalonica. So, um, are any of you guys playing world Like world world Okay, okay, I got, my, I got, my, got some of our girls, got that group chat. Okay, world is like Wordle, except it's for countries. So every day it like shows you a map of a different country, and you have to like guess where it is. It's really awesome. Haley and I played today. We won. It was super cool. Um, anyway, ever since... I've been playing that game. I've been really obsessed with maps because I really want to win the game every single day. So, Worldle, check it out after HSM. But anyway, um, Paul, 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 he has this encounter with the risen Jesus. And once he experiences that, he begins to share the gospel. What we just spent the whole last week and this weekend celebrating, he starts to share the gospel with like really anyone who will listen. And what he does is he starts a church in Thessalonica, which is in modern day Greece. 
And he starts this church under a lot of persecution because there are people, specifically really religious Jews, who don't like the gospel that Paul is preaching. But even in that hardship, Paul's able to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And he starts this church. But what happens is is the persecution starts to really heat up, and Paul is forced to flee from this church much earlier than he was planning on doing. And so years later, on his second missionary journey, Paul decides that he wants to check up on the Thessalonians. And so he sends one of his teammates, Timothy, to like run over there and check out this church and to bring him back a report of how this church is doing. And the letter of 1 Thessalonians is Paul's response to hearing the report from Timothy, and it's really good news. Because despite even more persecution and despite some confusion and hardship, the people at the church of Thessalonica have stayed steadfast in their faith in Jesus, which is really awesome. And so Paul starts to write this really joyous, exciting letter to this church. Now, tonight, um, we're starting 1 Thessalonians, and Eric and I are calling this kind of like our flyover series. Like, we only got two weeks. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to dig into the first three chapters, and we're going to pull out the big idea from each chapter. And then I'm also going to give you a challenge in each of those chapters. And then next Wednesday, Pastor Eric is going to do the same thing with the last two chapters of 1 Thessalonians. Sound good? Yeah, love it, love that. Um, All right, guys, well, let's jump in. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, and remember, our big question for tonight is, if the tomb is empty, then what does the risen Jesus call his followers to do? What's next? Big idea number one from chapter number one is that we should allow the gospel to transform our hearts. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul to the Thessalonians, he says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 8. Then the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Wow. Do you guys see that the Thessalonians have become famous for their faith. Isn't that crazy? Like nowadays, you know, we have like, like TikTok and like influencers and people become famous for how they dance or like what they do or how they look. Could you imagine this church has become famous because they have faith in Jesus Christ and specifically because they have turned from worshiping idols to God in order to serve him and to love him and to wait for him expectantly for his return. See, Paul is writing to this church who is living in the in-between. 
just like we are today, these, these people became believers after Jesus rose from the grave. And they're expecting Jesus to return, but he hasn't yet. And so they're kind of like living in between Jesus' resurrection and in between his return, just like we are today. And Paul saying that, hey, the gospel should transform your heart so that you no longer live the way that you used to, but instead you choose to follow and trust Jesus. We've talked about this concept before that we were created by God and one of the ways he created us was to worship because he knows that the best way we could live our lives, living our best lives, is by worshiping him. But because of our sin, we've kind of messed everything up and so now we start to worship things that aren't God or we worship things like with God and we think that we're you know, worshiping him, but we, we just, we can't do that. There's only one throne on all of our hearts. And Paul saying, hey, because you've encountered the gospel, you have the ability to turn from what you were worshiping in order to worship the true living God. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave has the power to transform your heart. Like, I hope that blows your mind that Jesus wants to change you from the inside out. I was hanging out with one of you amazing students a couple weeks ago, and um, the student was telling me that when she first started to put her faith in Jesus, she heard a message from Pastor Eric, and he said something that she said that she's clung to ever since and that it has changed her faith and therefore her life. And he said this, something like this. If you don't give your life to Jesus and you don't start to see everything change, you're doing something wrong. Faith in Jesus prompts a response because when we believe in the risen Jesus, he asks us to make us the Lord, him, he asks us to make him the Lord of our lives and we give authority over to him and we, we trust him, we change our ways. And, and don't mishear this quote, don't, don't misunderstand and especially if you're like not yet following Jesus, hear, hear me straight. This doesn't mean that putting your faith in Jesus means that your circumstances are gonna change. I think sometimes there's this misconception that, okay, when I put my faith in Jesus, my life will automatically better, will be better, and it'll be safe, and it'll be comfortable, and I'll never suffer again. And remember, we're still living in the in-between. We're still living in this still being redeemed world in between Jesus' resurrection and his return. What this is saying and what Paul's saying in 1 Thessalonians is, hey, you're, when you put your faith in Jesus, your circumstances might not change, but your heart should that you will change as you get to know Jesus more and give your life to him. So if you're interested in that, if you're interested in letting the gospel change your heart from the inside out, there's two questions that I think we all need to reflect on and it's taken from verses nine and 10. And the two questions are this, what idol are you serving besides God? What, what relationship, what, what sports team, what um, academic performance, um, what person are you putting in your life above God who you need help to take them off of the throne of your heart so that God can take his rightful place there? And the second question, which actually, Asher, I actually don't know if I put it in there, but the second question is this. Are you properly waiting for Jesus's return? 
I think waiting has this connotation that it's like kind of passive and you're just like kind of chilling, waiting for something to happen. But the biblical like definition and, and picture of waiting is actually very active. It's seeking the Lord. And that's why it's so important that we are practicing spiritual disciplines like reading our Bible, like praying, like investing in your life group, sharing your faith, and and serving. It's because it's in these ways that we are getting to know God. In verse 6, if we don't mind going back there, Asher, in verse 6, Paul is, is praising the Thessalonians because they became imitators of God. If you are a follower of Christ, there is a call on your life that through the Holy Spirit, God is transforming you to look more like him. And friends, we cannot imitate someone who we don't know. And so here's your first challenge. Get in the word. Get in the word. God wrote you a whole book, a whole, a whole story in order to reveal himself to you, in order to make himself known to you. And so we got to be in it. And so your challenge is to read the book of 1 Thessalonians, which we're talking about tonight and next week, before next Wednesday. It's five chapters, read one chapter a day, and you got two days of insurance. Like, do this with your life group, get in the word, because we should allow the gospel to transform our hearts. And that leads us right along to chapter number two, with big idea number two, which is we should then allow the gospel to inspire our love for others. Chapter two, um, starting in verse six, says this. Paul says, we were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share not only the gospel with you, but our very lives as well. Do you catch the love that Paul is writing with in this letter? Like he loves these people. They have a deep shared friendship. And if we could zero in on verse eight, Asher, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And to let you in on a little insight, this is one of the verses that is the heartbeat of our HSM community. This is the vision that we as adult life group leaders who pour into your life, this is our vision. That we love you so much that we want to give you what's best for you. And we know that what's best for you is the gospel of God. And so we share that with you and then we share our very lives with you. And this concept of of biblical love, of love among friends, I think is a little bit different than what we're used to. So, So I want us to try something together real quick. I want everyone to close your eyes, close your eyes. And I want you to think about when was the time that you felt very loved by your friends? Like think about who are the people that come to mind? Who are the stories that come to mind? When have you felt really loved by your friends? I think for me, as I'm doing this along with you, um, I think about my friend, Vane, who I had just met her for like two days and we were on a road trip to Colorado and I really had to pee and there were no bathrooms in the plains of Wyoming. And so we pulled over to the side of the road and I went pee. And my friend Vane ran out of the car with a giant blanket in order to cover me. Really sweet. (laughs) Keep thinking about your friends, keep thinking about your friends. I'm also thinking about my friend Steven, who I I texted a couple weeks ago and just shared something that was um, really on my heart. And I said, hey, I, I would love your prayer for this. Um, do you have time to talk in the next few days? And 20 minutes later, 
he just called me right away to talk. Or I think about some of my friends who, some of your very life group leaders in this room, who I absolutely adore, and I think about the times that they just randomly buy me coffee, or like Brittany like randomly gave me a jacket, like, like a North Face jacket. <laughs> um, I just think about these ways that your, your life group leaders have just blessed me, how these friends have blessed me. Okay, open your eyes, open your eyes. Hopefully the things that came to your mind were a little less embarrassing than the ones that came to mind from me. But whatever you thought about, however you felt very loved by your friends, that's a version of love that Paul is talking about. But, 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 do you catch that what Paul's saying true love is, is that you're actually sharing the gospel? That like, like the, the best thing that you could give someone is pointing them to Jesus. Because if you really believe that Jesus Christ lived died for your sins and rose again in order to save you, that is the best news ever, right? Like period. And if you really believe that, then you would want everyone you love to know that same news and to share in it, right? And that concept of love, it, it has truth. It's not just fluffy feelings, right? It has truth, that's the gospel. And that's what Paul talks about later in chapter two, starting in verse 10. He says, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. The love that is inspired by the gospel is a love that seeks to imitate God's and his balance of truth and grace. Tim Keller writes about it like this in this awesome book called The Meaning of Marriage, and he says it like this. He says, love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. But the truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. But God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. And the merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and repent. It's just a fancy word, going back to chapter one, that we're turning from idols in order to serve the living and true God. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling to and rest in God's mercy and grace. In God's love, he perfectly balances grace and truth. And, And we will never love as perfectly as God does, but as imitators of Christ, he empowers us to love more like him through the Holy Spirit. And so here's your challenge. Choose one person to show God's love to this week. And as I was preparing for this message, I was like, God, are you sure? Like, it's kind of like a broad challenge. And I just felt him say, Claire, it has to be broad because I have something specific for every single person in HSM. I don't know who it is who you need to show God's love to. Maybe there's someone in your life who you need to ask them for forgiveness Or maybe there's someone in your life who you need to offer forgiveness to. Or maybe there's a truth that you need to share with someone you love. Because because truly loving someone doesn't mean that you're always going to tell them what they want to hear, but it's telling them what they need to hear because you love them. Or maybe there's someone who you need to show extra kindness to because you speak a little too much truth to them. You know what I'm saying? Choose one person in your life to show God's love to this week. 
And let's wrap it up with big idea number three from chapter number three. We should allow the gospel to form our vision of the church. Chapter three, verses seven through 10 say this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. The gospel does change you on an individual level. That's what we talked about in the first chapter, right? The gospel has the power to transform your heart. And that's really easy for us to wrap our brains around in kind of our very Western, American, individualized culture. But don't miss what the gospel also does relationally with every other believer on earth. Because when you choose to put your faith in Jesus, you become the church, like the big C church of Jesus Christ with every other believer all around the world. And we've, this is a theme that's been kind of coming up a lot recently here at Purpose. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Glenn preached on a Sunday and he said that sometimes our faith and our presence is just meant to encourage fellow believers, like being at church, being present in your life group. Sometimes what God, how God wants to use you is to encourage a brother and sister in Christ. And that's what's happening here with the Thessalonians and Paul, right? Paul's saying that he's in distress, that he's being persecuted. And, and, and we don't know exactly what that was like, but maybe Paul was thinking, why, don't, why am I doing this? Like, is the gospel really real? And yet he's heard this news of this church that he helped plant and how they are standing firm in their faith. And he's like, thank you for encouraging me to keep going, to keep pursuing the Lord. And now I just want to make a quick note because this is blowing my mind, is that Paul talks about in verse 9 that he has joy in the presence of God because of the believers, because of the Thessalonians. And, and something, a theme throughout all of scripture is that true joy comes by being in the presence of God. Psalm 1611, in your presence there is fullness of joy. But Paul's saying, in the presence of God, I have even more joy than fullness of joy. And why is that? It's because of his fellow believers. It's because of the people who he shared the gospel with. And I think as the church, we need to be those kinds of people. We need to be the, the people who encourage fellow believers, but then also grab everyone who's not in this room yet and get them here. Get them to the good news. And so here's your last challenge. Choose two people, one person in your life group to pray for every day for the next month. That's what it says in verse 10. Paul prayed night and day earnestly for the Thessalonians. So choose one person in your life group to pray for every day for the next month. And then I also want you to pray for someone else who's not in your life group yet. Someone in your life who maybe doesn't know Jesus yet, pray for them that they one day might come to know and share in this good news. We're about to head out into our life groups so that you can discuss all of um, everything that we've talked about so far and, and kind of brainstorm and share what, what you're thinking of and, and who you're thinking of for each of these challenges. And as we, as we head out into that, I want you to remember this is our flyover series, so you know, zoom out a little bit like bird's eye view. 
And, and as you're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus that is just as real and true today as it was on Sunday, I want you to think about your response. If Jesus really is risen, if the tomb really is empty, then what is he asking you to do? What's next? And I think three of the things that he's asking you to do is to allow the gospel to transform your heart, to inspire your love for others, and to form your vision of the church. I wanna close with um, this prayer that Paul has at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter three. We'll pray and then we'll head to life groups. This is my prayer for all of you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all of his holy ones. Jesus, thank you so much for every single person in this room. And God, thank you for the community that you're forming here. God, thank you for your word that it is alive and active and that you have something to say. You, you have a way that you want to use every single person in this room. So God, bless our time in life groups. Would you give us fruitful and meaningful conversations? And we look forward to being back next Wednesday to finish off our First Thessalonians series. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.